the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called Filled as Pastor Sean is teaching from Acts chapter 4. So if you feel like you're running on empty because of the speed and stress of life, let's figure out how to get replenished and be filled with the Spirit so we can avoid those pitfalls of an empty soul. The message today is called Living Filled. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. I had a couple of experiences this week that just woke me up once again to how critical this topic is. This week I met with a pastor friend, a guy here in town who, uh, we're not close, close friends, but we've run into each other at some things, and um, good guy, good guy. I really have always thought very highly of him and still do. Um, he recently lost his ministry because of some stuff that was just going on in his life. And, and to be honest with you, I, all I could help think is what we're talking about. And, uh, you know, I, identifying with a brother who I'm just like hurting for him. And what I heard is the brother who got tired and who got empty. And challenges at home, challenges at work, made some, a couple mistakes, foolish mistakes that he recognizes. And, and at bottom line, at the end of the day, it began to spiral out of control to where he lost his ministry over it. And um, my heart was just broken because this is not a small thing. You know, this is a big thing. Well, I get home that night and I go and check email and I get a note from our fellowship of churches. So this this is a guy here in town, that one of our pastors who, I'm on a board for our denomination, the Missionary Church, and this is a good guy. This is a guy I meet with a couple times a year, and I really like him. It turns out he'd gotten involved in an inappropriate relationship with some woman in the church, and he was losing his ministry over it because of where it went and how he responded and all this stuff. And again, this is another guy He's not a jerk. He's not some guy who's trying to rip anybody off. He's not some guy. He's a decent guy who got lost. He got, what he did, he got empty. And I have to tell you, I'm sitting there listening to this, and these are guys who, who both of them, who I think very highly of, and I'm like, oh my gosh, if it could happen to them, it could happen to me. And let me just say, if you're sitting here thinking, wow, you pastors got to be careful, and it's hard out there, you're not paying attention. Because if it could happen to any one of us, it could happen to you. And the minute one of us says, oh, no, 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 we're so good, we're full, we don't, we don't have to worry about anything, the minute we say that, we're in danger. I just tell you, wise people are a little scared by these kind of stories. Because it's the danger, and, and what I would describe with both of these individuals is they just got tired, and they got empty. And they weren't being filled in the place where we're all supposed to be filled. See, That's the danger of running on empty. That's why we're having this series of messages, this conversation on living and being filled. 
That's the name of the series. We began with this idea, the deepest longings of your heart will only be satisfied in him. They can only be satisfied in him. Nowhere else. Your marriage can't do it. It can't fill you up enough. Your job can't do it. Your career, your kids, no no other thing in life can fill you up enough to where you're going to be the way God intended for you to be. The deepest longings of your heart will only be satisfied in him. And we got to never forget that. And then last week we saw it's hard to be hungry if you're already full. Remember we talked about spiritual junk food. Talked about all the other stuff that we'll go after to try to fill the longings of our heart. And a long list of things. It's spiritual junk food. It makes you feel like you're full, but at the end of the day, you're not. And you're in danger when you're running on empty. Well, the question, if we're talking about being filled, is okay, well, filled with what? What does that look like? Well, turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 4. Now, remember, Acts chapter 4 is a number of things have happened. Acts chapter 2, the Spirit fell. They have Pentecost, incredible thing. The church multiplies. Church begins to move. Remember in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John go up to the temple to pray, and they pray for this guy to be healed. He's crippled, and he is healed. It's a miraculous thing. And you remember the religious leaders were really unhappy about that. They were behind the crucifixion of Christ. They thought they were rid of Christ, but not only are they not rid of him, but on the day of Pentecost, his spirit spreads, and now there's thousands of these little Christ, little Christians, if you will. And so they arrest Peter and John. They bring them for questioning. And well, when they were released, now they threaten them, don't, tell it, don't talk about Jesus anymore, don't do anything in his name. On their release, we're told in verse 23 of, of Acts 4, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, listen, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and earth and the sea and everything in them. Let's stop right there. Because what I want us to point out is they come back, they tell what's happened. Now understand, this is not, you're like, well, so what? Religious leaders give you a hard time. Who cares? You know, we see a religious leader every week, Sean, you, we could take you, you know. Why? Who'd be afraid of religious leaders? Yeah, these guys had actual military soldiers who worked for them. These guys had just been behind the crucifixion of Christ. So this wasn't a game. This is life and death. They go back, they have a decision to make, and they make a very intentional decision. They they told the people when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. You realize they could have made a different decision? They could have planned. I wonder what we would do in the same situation. So often, I I think our first thing is, well, we've got to start making plans because this is bad, and you know what they did to Jesus, and now they threatened us, and oh, what are we going to do? They could have had a strategy session. That would be very logical. We would have strategy sessions, I think, a lot of times. Like, oh my gosh, well, if they're going to do this, and we got to do this, and we got to move to this location, we got to start doing this. Or they could have just run. And in light of the fact that they just killed Jesus, and they just arrested Peter and John, and they kind of dodged a bullet, none of us would have been really critical if they would have just kind of said, let's hightail it out of Jerusalem. But that, those weren't the decisions they made. They made an intentional, deliberate decision to pray. And I, wanna, I want you to see that because what happens towards the end of that prayer time is directly related to that decision. And in the context of what we're talking about, I want us to hear and I want us to see. Skip down to verse 31. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They made a decision to pray. God responded by pouring out his spirit yet again. Now remember, this is a really important distinction. They were all filled with the spirit on the day of Pentecost, right? Acts chapter 2. This is Acts chapter 4. So this infilling thing, it's not a one-time thing, okay? 
It's like being filled and continually being filled is the verb tense used in the original language. It's they were continually being filled. So they prayed. The place where they were meeting was shaken. Whether it was physically shaken or whether it was just a thing that, you know, they, they, were, they experienced this manifestation, I, I'm not exactly sure. Either's possible. But we just know the place was shaken. They're all filled and they spoke the word of God boldly. And then, then it says this, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. What an interesting place to go right from there. It, it's interesting in our um, community group, We've been in this discussion. Now, we, we discuss, we do two things. We discuss the, the sermon notes because the small group team puts together a, a, a group discussion based on the weekend messages so that we can all go over and make sure we're living what we're talking about, right? But we've also been doing a kind of a side study through the book of Acts. And we were actually discussing this passage, Acts 2, Acts 4, and this idea of what their fellowship looked like. Remember, it said in Acts 2, they were of one heart, one mind, they, that they, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. It says, to the, and to the fellowship. And it, it talks about how they shared their resources in Acts chapter 2. They didn't consider their stuff their own. And then Acts chapter 4, it says it again. And we kind of were saying, wow, that's what the early church's fellowship looked like. How does that compare to our fellowship? And, you know, it's kind of a little bit like, ooh. Because we recognize we're very individualistic as Americans in the way we've been raised and socialized and how we handle our stuff and our life. We're very much in our silos. What's mine is mine, and, you know, you keep your hands off it. And this idea that they, it says they, they, they claimed that any of their possessions was their own. They shared everything they had. And some people go, well, they, they were advocating, and Jesus advocates a form of communism as the ideal economic system. I, I just want to say, I, I, I've told you this before, I don't think this is advocating communism. I think it's advocating family. This isn't communism, it's family. They were one, and so when there were needs, they shared in a way that was different. And what I want to suggest to you is there's a connection between verse 31 and verse 32, they were filled, and so their stuff wasn't what filled them anymore. And I'm afraid sometimes our stuff, our ambitions, our agendas, our goals, that's the stuff that fills us. And what we see here is people who were filled by something different. And so they responded very differently. It's all because of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And make no mistake, it was a literal spiritual infill. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church, in this message called Getting Hungry, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org, where there you can also watch a video podcast of this message and series. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. River City Community Church is a church for real life. Real life is what we were created for and what we're all about. In fact, our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Hi, I'm Pastor Sean Azaro, and we believe we were made to have a life full of meaning and purpose that can only be found in relationship with our Creator. That's what real life is. It's not just a church thing. It's a way of living that powerfully impacts every area of our lives. River City is come as you are and has a relaxed, casual feel with practical teaching, 
inspirational worship and age-appropriate ministry for the whole family. We're located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Rotama Park. Our service times are Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15 and Mondays at 7 p.m. River City is a church for real life, and so our home on the web is reallife.org. We hope you'll come and see us as you travel the road to real life. And now back to the message, Living Filled. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. When we become followers of Jesus Christ and His Spirit comes to dwell in us, two things happen. Our spirit, which is dead apart from Christ, it becomes alive in Him. And two, His Spirit comes and resides within us in a very unique, specific way. In Romans 8, it talks about how the Spirit gives life to our mortal bodies. So He's not talking about something figurative here. He's talking about His Spirit resident in us, fellowshipping with our spirit. Now, flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, because what I want us to look at this morning is what does it look like to be filled? Okay, what does living filled look like? Because Paul gives a description of the infilling, and he gives us a picture, beginning at verse 1, and I'm going to read the whole chapter. 1 Corinthians 16 is a very short chapter. I just want to read it to you, because Paul gives us a whole lot to unpack when it comes to what this spirit-filled life looks like. He tells him, he says, so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. He goes on and says, verse 6, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that's been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the thing God has prepared for those who love him. Now listen, verse 10. It says, these are the things God has revealed to us. How? By his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we've received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Verse 14, the person without the Spirit doesn't accept things that come from the Spirit of God, considers them foolishness, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgment. For who's known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So Paul unpacks this whole list of things that come because of the Spirit. It's all about the Spirit's indwelling. And he's giving some very practical, real things that the Spirit does. He, first of all, defines two different ways of thinking, two different ways of approaching life. People who are filled with the Spirit of God, they see the whole world differently. They approach the world differently. And and here's the thing that is kind of frustrating sometimes. This creates an entire paradigm difference, and I see Christians getting mad at people in the world who aren't followers of Christ. They're getting mad because they see things differently. I I just want to say that's short-sighted and that's misguided. 
Paul is saying, well, they can't see things the same because there's so much in life that is spiritually discerned. So many of the things that God has that he wants to show us and teach us that are spiritually discerned. He says people without the spirit literally cannot see it. So to expect them to is to set them up to fail. And it's actually somewhat ridiculous. They cannot. These are two totally different ways of seeing the world, two totally different ways of thinking, two totally different paradigms, two totally different ways of approaching life. And it touches on all the practical areas of life, how you work, how you live, how your relationships happen, how you handle money, how you handle everything because of the way the Spirit changes us. And so, very simple point, but it's the main point. I want you to write it down if you're taking notes. Here it is. The secret to living filled is being filled. And you're like, well, wait a minute, isn't that kind of circular there? Or a little elementary? Not necessarily. See, the secret to living filled is actually being filled. I can't tell you how many people want to kind of live the life God has for them, and they think it's a bunch of things that they can just do, and that if I do these things, then I'll be kind of a filled person. And I can kind kind of do it in a way that'll earn God's favor, earn his attention, and I can kind of just figure it out. And we somehow think this Christian faith of ours is just a different set of rules that'll yield a better result. Not that there aren't great things in the scripture that will yield great results, but what I'm saying to you is, no, no, no. The secret to living filled is being filled. You see, the infilling is not something you do, but something you receive. That's what verse 12 said. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God. The infilling is not something you do, but something you receive. And more accurately... It's someone you receive. The actual person and presence of God's Spirit resident in us. And it changes you. Everything Paul's talking about is a product of the Spirit resident in us. It's not us just kind of cleaning up and getting better, not us doing better, not us disciplining ourselves better. No, first there has to be an infilling. The secret to living filled is being filled. So many Christians go and think, well, I'm a follower of Christ now, right? I said the prayer, I did the stuff, I'm forgiven, and now I got a different set of rules I got to live by, and I'll just live by those different rules and things will be great. And they don't really understand, no, 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 you have a new leader. And it's not like you touch base with him once a week or meet him at Starbucks. It's like he's resident in you. The secret to living filled is being filled. You remember on the day of Pentecost, the people... The gatherers are there in the upper room, they pray, and the Spirit comes out, and they're praying, and they're, they're, they have these manifestations of the Spirit. Some are speaking in tongues. You remember the people around them kind of over here, and they go, well, these people sound crazy. What, are they drunk? And you remember Peter gets up and, and says, no, they're not. He says, what you're seeing, what you're experiencing, this is what was promised through the prophet Joel, and he quotes from the, Joel's prophecy in the Old Testament. He says, this is what was foretold, and now it's happening, and where God said, I'll pour out my Spirit. On all people, your sons, your daughters, old and young, I'm going to pour out my spirit. Peter says, that's what you're seeing. And he told about how it came because of Christ. And then you remember, he preaches, and then uh, the people, are, they hear it, and they're convicted. And in Acts 2.37, they ask that powerful question. They hear it, and they go, what should we do? And remember, his answer is Acts 2.38 and 39. Listen to what he says. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Let me me just say one problem is when we quote that scripture, we often end end it before it's finished. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. 
And we sometimes stop it there. And that would be a grave mistake. Because he goes on and says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some people have tried to make it say, well, no, God's Spirit gives you the gift of forgiveness. And he's talking about that. (laughs) The context doesn't let you really come to that conclusion. If you listen to the sermon, you read what Peter said, he's talking specifically about this outpouring of the Spirit, talking about the tongues that they were uttering, talking about what Joel prophesied, God will pour out his Spirit. He's saying, this is it. The actual gift is the Spirit. And so many of us think, well, we, we repent, which is biblical and right, and we are forgiven, which is biblical and right, but they forget the part that says you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what this goes back to is our whole theology of salvation. We, we understand that, man, sin is the problem. Sin is what separates us from God. And Jesus Christ came. You know, that's why we have a cross in here. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins on the cross so God could be just and merciful all in the same beautiful moment. And he was. But we think, wow, Jesus paid the penalty. I've received that now. That Now I'm done. Thank you, Lord. That's the end. That's good. Let me just say to you very clearly, the cross is not the point of the Christian faith. And some people, when I say that, just think it's blasphemy. You need to understand the cross is not the point of the Christian faith. It is the essential doorway through which we must enter to actually get to the point. The point is the relationship with the Lord that we were created for. See, the problem is sin. We were created for a relationship with God that sin creates a barrier in. Jesus took care of the sin problem on the cross, but, but so many times we stop and go, okay, my sin problem is done. Okay, now I can go to heaven, and now I don't have to walk around with guilt, and that's a wonderful thing. But we forget the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's presence resident in us. All of it, our salvation, the very essence of our salvation is God's presence resident in us. That's the gift. That's what our salvation is. The cross is the essential doorway that we must enter to receive the gift of his presence, the gift of the Spirit. See, the secret to living filled is actually being filled, being filled with the presence of Jesus by his Holy Spirit in us. So in 1 Corinthians 2, Paul is giving us some very practical things that the infilling brings. Let me share a few of those with you this morning. Number one, the infilling of the Spirit brings a different wisdom. The infilling of the Spirit brings a different wisdom. We are different because of the Spirit within us. Paul said it clearly, verse 7. He said, um, I'm sorry, verse 1. He said, when I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. He's talking about a different wisdom. Verse 7, he then goes and says, no, we declare God's wisdom. In other words, it's different. There's human wisdom, there's God's wisdom. And then in verse 10, he said, these things are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The infilling of the spirit brings a totally different wisdom. There is a, quote, wisdom of this age. Remember, James talked about wisdom, a promise that we love to pray and we love to quote around here. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. That's a wonderful promise. And I know there's a lot of times I want wisdom, and I'm thankful that that's one of those things that the word says, if you ask, God will give it. But look what James said about wisdom later on in James chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. In other words, it's not about words, it's something bigger. Verse 14, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, and it's in quotes, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, unspiritual 
and demonic. Tell us what you really think, James, huh? Verse 16 says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Verse 17, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So he's saying there's two types of wisdom. There's kind of human wisdom, and then there's God's wisdom. And they come to very different ends. They produce very different fruit. And he's saying the Spirit, Paul said the Spirit is the one who gives you God's wisdom. James is saying the same thing. Two kinds of wisdom, human versus the Spirit's. Well, what's the difference? I think there's a couple things. First of all, God's wisdom starts with the wisdom of belief. Understand that. It starts with the wisdom of belief. We see the world differently because of God's presence. Do you realize how, how radical a worldview breaker that is? The presence of God, it changes everything for us. When we see that God is real, that the world is created, that there is a God and that he designed us and he has a plan, that idea, that for us is like normal. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the world. That's the truth. You know, a large percentage of the world's population do not believe that. They believe that we're it. And if that's true, if there's no God, and if there's no, no creator, then it's us. And we're the top of the food chain on the planet Earth. And so it, the, what the majority of people think is right is right. And what the majority of people think is wrong, that's wrong. Well, you understand how that goes. Whenever someone says, you should do this or this is right, the, the logical question, if there's no God, the logical question is, well, who says? That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Living Filled or this whole series called Filled, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email that this program blessed you or even better. Your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Please find the Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.